Strap in. You're listening to The Walt Blackman Show, the show that brings you hardcore conservative straight talk. Welcome to the No PC Zone. Hello, everybody. This is Walt Blackman, and welcome to The Walt Blackman Show. I hope you're having a great and wonderful day. We're going to be talking about some great things today. We're going to dive into the Constitution. Why? Because I think we need it, because we need to get back to a normal America. So go ahead and strap up and buckle up. Get ready for the No PC Zone here on The Walt Blackman Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Wild Blackman Show. I hope you're having a great and wonderful day. We're going to be talking about the Constitution, kind of diving into that. And why am I doing that? Well, we're talking about the Constitution because I think that we have a responsibility to understand the Constitution if we are going to be reciting certain amendments and articles from the Constitution. And we see a lot of that. I see a lot of that. I see a lot of people spouting off the Constitution, and do they really own the Constitution? Are they are they putting in their own their own their own their own meaning to whatever is being said, or the, or, or, or or what the framers' goals were in the Constitution? Before we go forward on that, if you want to listen to one of my prior podcasts, you can do that. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Pandora Podcasts. You can go to Spotify. You can go to those podcast platforms, type in The Walt Blackman Show, and you will be able to listen to not only today's podcast, but also the prior podcast. The reason why we are getting into this because we need to get back to a normal America. And what I have found being on the campaign trail and just being in politics and just being in this space, I have often heard people uh, use the Constitution in a way that is actually dangerous to our country, to our state, and just and just in general. I've seen people do that. And, and I'm not saying that people are doing that intentionally. There's some people doing it and they're making money off of it. But I'm not saying that people are, in, you know, they wake up in the morning and they want, and they recite something from the Constitution that may not be correct. And they're doing it intentionally to hurt somebody. No, but we do have those people that are using the Constitution to rip our country apart. They, you know, and some of them call themselves, you know, some of them are on the extreme left, and and then the rest of them are on extreme right. Right. We have people that call themselves patriots, and it's good to call yourself a patriot. But when we have people call themselves a patriot and use the Constitution as the foundation of being a patriot, but don't understand the Constitution and put their own or their own interpretation into something in the Constitution, and they probably haven't even read the Constitution or the preamble or the Declaration of Independence, then it's kind you know that, that really alarms me. Now I'm not saying that they are wrong. 
I am not saying that they are not just what they're trying to do because a lot of people just don't know. They just don't understand. And I'm not saying that I am the person to go to, that I am the the, the wizard of the Constitution. I'm not saying that because I am not. I am far from that. But I do read. And I try and I try to understand the meaning and the goals of what the framers wanted to do and wanted us to understand about the Constitution, this document that they framed for us, they created our country over 200 years ago, and holds us together as a people, as Americans, as citizens of this country. And as I go forward, there's nothing in the Constitution that, that says that what's going on today is, is okay, because it is not okay what we're doing to our country. So in this series of the Constitution, we're going to be talking about the meaning of some of the things in the Constitution. And it's, it's a series of things. So you can, you can listen if you'd like. Um, and if you disagree with something that I've said uh, about the Constitution, that's fine. That's okay. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a debate about it. But let's not break into somebody's house and hit them over the head with a hammer. Because that is not what our country should be about. Let's not call somebody a rhino because they see the Constitution and they follow the intent of the Constitution. Let's not do that. Simply because a person looks at the Constitution differently than you or some group or what have you does not mean that they are a rhino. Doesn't mean that if they are following the intent of the Constitution. It doesn't mean that. Now, let's start out with the preamble. Now, we, we a lot of folks, you know, know that, you know, the preamble is the beginning of the Constitution. It, it kind of ties everything in of what the founders wanted to do in this Constitution. Now, I've listened to my wife talk to, you know, talk politics to people, and people She'll ask them, well, do you know the preamble of the United States and what it really means, of the Constitution and what it really means? Some people can't even recite it. And I got it. You know, you don't go around trying to memorize the preamble. But I see some people or hear some people in conversations that when they are reciting something in the Constitution or reciting something that they've read on Facebook or Twitter, that they use the preamble as a basis of their argument. And sometimes it's not always correct. Now, the preamble clearly starts out with we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Plain and simple. But what is the real meaning of this constitution. Now we all know that the preamble is an introduction to the constitution. We know this. And we should know that it outlines the general goals of the framers. Now before I go further, if you, you know, you may already know this stuff and great. Great. So I am not trying to insult anyone's intelligence who doesn't not, who, who already knows this. If you already know this and you are an expert on the Constitution, the preamble and the articles of, of, of you know, the articles of, 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 of the Constitution, 
You don't need to listen to this. But if you really want to know and learn about the Constitution as I want to do, then please follow along and then please share your comments. Now, we know that it outlines the general goals that the framers had, and that was to create a government that ensured peace and an adequate national defense and a healthy, free nation. But we need to remember the first three words of the Constitution. We, the people. Now, the preamble emphasizes that the nation is to be ruled by the people, not a king, not a dictator, not the president, not the Supreme Court justices or members of Congress or a state legislator. We, the people, the preamble emphasizes that it starts out that way. The U.S. Supreme Court held in 1905 in a case, you can look this up, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, that the preamble is not a source of federal power or individual rights. Rather, all rights and powers are set out in the articles and amendments of this Constitution. Now, why do why do I why did I recite that particular case? Because sometimes, and I've heard this, I've heard this. The preamble is our, that, that's our rights. That's where our rights come from. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not where our rights come from. Our rights come from the articles and the amendments that are set out in the Constitution. The preamble is an introduction to the Constitution. It tells the reader what, we, what the founders want, wanted to create. Now, let's talk about Article 1, Section 1. Now, we all know that Article Section 1 says that all legislative powers herein are granted, shall be vested in the Congress of the United States, and shall consist of a Senate and a House of Representatives. That is basic. We all know that, especially when we have a Congress that is broken. But why did the framers separate those powers. Why did they do that? Now, the framers of the Constitution separated the powers of government into three branches. We know that. And they did that by granting legislative powers. And that's the power to pass laws to the Congress. Executive powers, the power to administer those laws and to the president and to the judiciary power, the power to interpret and enforce those laws. So in the latter, why do we have presidents that write executive orders and think that that should be the law of the land? Because the Constitution does not say that. Article 1 does not say that the president has the power to pass laws. It doesn't say that. The framers clearly put that in the Constitution, put it in Article 1, granting the legislative powers the power to pass laws and the executive the power to administer those laws, meaning enforce them. And what it really means, and when you're peeling back the onion, the power to enforce those laws gives the courts the unique, or puts the courts in a unique position of limited powers. This is contained in Article 1, Section 1. Now, when we're talking about the Constitution, let's understand those things. Executive powers, 
presidents really shouldn't be using that. And we should know that. And we should be able to speak up and say that governors shouldn't be, well, you know, state, state constitutions are a little bit different. So we're not talking about that. But the framers believed that the separation of powers would ensure that no one person, group, or persons would be able to create, administer, and enforce the laws. And that, and that each branch would be a check on the powers of the other two branches. Now, we all know also that Congress cannot give its lawmaking powers to the executive or to the judicial branch. So if that's the case, why did we have Roe v. Wade for so many years? And in the conversation, you say, you tell people, hey, listen, listen, that's not law. There is nowhere in the Constitution where the executive or the legislative, the Congress or the Senate passed a law, an article an amendment that abortion was legal. But you'll have people say, well, that's, that was law. And people are still fighting that. We have, the, we have the U.S. Congress right now that's trying to pass a law to federalize abortion, to make it mandatory that states do not pass their own laws to prohibit abortion. Because we have people that say, well, that's the law. Roe v. Wade was the law. But when we look at the Constitution, it clearly says that judicial powers or judicial branch does not have the powers to make law, nor does the president. They enforce those laws. And the Congress cannot give its lawmaking powers to the executive or judicial branch. And courts, courts, ladies and gentlemen, are charged with ensuring that the three branches act independently and don't overreach. Your delegated powers. Yes, that is a responsibility of the courts. Because why is that part of responsibility of the courts that the three are the two branches of government or the three branches of governments do not overreach their delegated powers because it says it in Article 1, Section 1. But in some instances, ladies and gentlemen, two branches of government are required to work together. And we know what they are. They're the Senate. And in some cases, the Supreme Court. Now, for example, the Senate has to approve the president's appointments uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. They have to approve it. The president appoints someone. The Senate goes in there and they do their thing. Now, the president has the power to veto. They do that. And, you know, sometimes we get president that presidents that have the power, you know, they can pardon criminals and all that stuff. So there are certain things, there are certain times when two branches of government have to work together. And they have to do that in a way of not overreach. And the framers frame the Constitution in a way to where it protects us. You know, and in another important uh, principle contained in Article 1, and, and, and I'm not sure if folks know that, know this, that the federal government's power is limited, ladies and gentlemen. It is limited in what is written in the Constitution. Limited. And why did the framers do that? I said it before. Check on power. That power is not concentrated under one group or one organization. 
So why do we have people in the crazy, crazy extremist trying to centralize power by intimidation, by force? Why do we have that? Because it, it, it is happening. It is happening. Now, we all know that there are known enumerated powers. That, those, that's in the Tenth Amendment. And, you know, it's funny when we're talking about enumerated powers, because when we're talking about enumerated powers, ladies and gentlemen, people often bring up the Tenth Amendment, which is, which is in, in, you know, it's, it's correct. It's in the Tenth Amendment. If the Constitution does not specifically lay out or give a power to the federal government, the power is left to the states and to the people. But does it say in there that if the Constitution does not give it to the federal government that we have a right to destroy the Constitution because we don't agree with the Constitution? We talked about this last week. The power is left to the people and to the states, but it doesn't give the people the power to destroy our constitution and to destroy our country. And that is what we are seeing on the extremes. It is we, the people, but it's not we, the people get to destroy our country because we don't agree with what's in the constitution. Article one, section one also requires that Congress be bicarmal. What does that mean? That it should be divided into two houses, the House and the Senate. We know that. But what we need to understand is how did we get how did we get there? Now, at the time that it was written, the Constitution was adopted by several states in the Continental Congress. A lot of people should know that. And a lot of people should know that it was we only have one, we only had one lawmaking body, the Continental Congress. We didn't have a House and the Senate. The founders knew to create two legislative bodies to reflect and to compromise between the powers of the state and the powers of the people. And we all know that the number of seats in the House of Representatives is based on population, la, 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 la. the larger, the more urban states, the more representatives, so on and so forth. The less populated states have less uh, folks in there that are going to represent them. But the Senate gives the power to the states Equally. So why do I put that out there? Because I've heard in this past election, the more Congress people, the more people we have in Congress, the more power we are going to have. Well, if we're looking at just a horde of numbers, I don't know. I maybe, I guess maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But the Senate gives power to the states equally. Why is that? Each state has two senators. Because the framers knew they did not want concentrated power. So if one urban area has more seats for Congress than another area, which may be in rural, that area that has more concentrated power are going to get more things for their state or more things for their constituents. That's why we have two senators. Now, that's all basic stuff. Again, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence. I'm just breaking it down. 
I'm just breaking it down so we so we understand what what is happening. So we understand it. And I think it's important that we do that. Now, again, when we're talking about Article 1, Section 2, it lays out that the House of Representatives are have members that are chosen for every two years and that the Senate every six years. We know that. We understand that. And why do they do that is because we don't want to concentrate. They don't want to concentrate power. We know in 1966 that the Supreme Court used language chosen by the people of several states. But what we have in Washington, D.C. right now, the Congress and the Senate are not really chosen by the people. They are chosen by lobbyists. They are chosen by pharmaceutical Groups. They are chosen by big money. They are chosen by uh, endorsements. They are chosen by how much money a candidate has. And that's why we have millions and millions of dollars that are going into our campaigns. And the, and the average person can't, can't run or can't contribute to try to run if they want to. Article one recognizes that the federal right to vote is in congressional elections. Now that right along with equal protection, the equal protection clause that's the, that's in the 14th amendment, you can look it up. That right along with that, it was later used in the US Supreme Court to require that each congressional district contain roughly the same number of people to ensure, ladies and gentlemen, that one person's vote in a congressional election would be worth as much as another. But do we really have that? Are we really following the Constitution when we have dark money in our elections? When people are placed in positions to represent a group of people and the group of people that they are supposed to represent don't have a voice because big money, dark money drowns them out. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Think about what that is. Now, we also know that I talked a little bit about uh, Lincoln's speech, about slavery, this and that. You know, we, we, we talked about that. And in Section 1, uh, Article 1, Section 2, we know the clause that they had on slavery. But there wasn't a clause in the Constitution that says that Americans, Americans could own slaves. It, it wasn't in there. And if, and, and, and if we look at the Constitution, and, and, uh, now, now I, I really want to peel the, young, the onion back on this. The Constitution does not lay out that a person can own another person. So if slaves, if, ladies and gentlemen, if slaves were considered property, if they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be counted at all to vote. But it wasn't in the Constitution. Why do I, and why do I bring that up? Because when people talk about this three-fifths of a person state population count that was done away with with the 13th Amendment, Section 2 of 
the 14th Amendment, then we know, first of all, it repealed the three-fifths rule. And we also know that the framers did not, did not have a grasp on the question of slavery because it wasn't placed in the Constitution. If slaves were considered property, if they weren't sure, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't really know. The framers did not use the words slave in the document, ladies and gentlemen. You can look in it. They didn't use the word slave. And after the Civil War, the formula was changed uh, with passage of the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery. And again, that was that's in Section 2 of the 14th Amendment, which repealed the three-fifths rule. But understand this, the framers did not use the word slave in this document because they knew that all men were created equal. They knew in their preamble what it meant to ordain, to ordain and establish this constitution for the United States, to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense, the general welfare, and secure liberty for ourselves, and most importantly, our prosperity. That's why slavery is not mentioned in the Constitution that says a person can own another person. And that is exactly why the South and people and radicals in the South want it to destroy the country and destroy the Constitution because they didn't agree what, was, what wasn't in the Constitution. We have the same thing today when we have people that are saying that the Constitution, it doesn't say that we can't uh, decertify. It doesn't say, you know, we, we, we should be able to do that. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I get, yeah, we should. But is it going to destroy the fabric of the Constitution? Would decertification do that? In my opinion, it would. In my opinion, it would. And that's a problem. And those, those are some of the things that, that, that I want to really get down to and really and really talk about when we're going through when we're going through the Constitution. Now, a lot of this, again, is going to be boring to some people. And we're going to have conversations with this. I'm going to open up the, the, the line uh, to, to, to people that want to talk about the Constitution. They can call in and, I, and we can talk about some of the things in the Constitution. But I will tell you, I will warn you, if you call and you are trying to recite something in the Constitution and it is not correct, I will call you out on it. I will let you know that is no, that is not in the Constitution. Somebody said that slavery was in the Constitution. Somebody tried to tell me that the Constitution allows for decertification. Somebody tried to tell me that this and that about the Constitution, which is not part of the Constitution, and I will call you out on it. If you don't like it, don't call in. Because we're about making sure that we understand what's going on in our country. 
Now, we're not going to be going over every single article. We're going to go over some of those articles that I think that are prevalent to the conversations that we are having today in our country. Because it's important that we know that. So next week, and when we talk about these things, let's have a conversation of the minds. Let's not just say, if you don't understand what's in the Constitution, that you are a rhino. That the other person who understands what's in the Constitution is a rhino. Let's not say that. Let's say, let's have a conversation about what's in the Constitution, the meaning of the Constitution. Peel back the onion on the articles, the sections, the amendments, what it really means, what the Constitution really means to our country. Everybody, this is Walt Blackman. I hope that you enjoyed that segment of the Walt Blackman Show. Tomorrow, we're going to be talking some more. We're going through the Constitution, everybody. So please, please go ahead and jump in and... uh, Let us know what you think here on The Wall Blackman Show. Everybody, have a great day. Strap in. You're listening to The Walt Blackman Show, the show that brings you hardcore conservative straight talk. Welcome to the No PC Zone.